It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, there's no doubt that the Toronto Raptors are an interesting team going into the 2023-24 season. But what are the most interesting parts of said interesting team? We'll examine those questions on today's show with Katie Heindel making her triumphant return to the podcast. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, October the 11th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter or whatever the hell we're calling it these days, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors, and of course, come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. We would love to see you in there. We got over 200 little sickos talking Raptors ball. Day and night, I wake up, there's talk in there. I go to bed, there's talk in there. It's great. Come hang out and be with your friends, your your little, little piggies who love the Toronto Raptors. They're all our piggies who we love very, very much. I'm one of those piggies. <laughs> so come hang out in the little pig den and we'll have a great time in the Discord. Also, a reminder, you can follow, subscribe to, rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps each and every day. You'll find the show and uh, you're on YouTube as well. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. And a big thanks to all our everydayers out there. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections get yours today at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com all right katie heindel mid sip of lemon Lacroix, i believe is what we're looking at there tangerine Ooh, tangerine we like Banjo. tangerine pretty yeah. good um either way katie heindel is here to uh return to the podcast you've been away california doing stuff writing researching all this beautiful they're taking wonderful photos for me to uh <laughs> feel envious about on instagram we're thrilled to have you back on the show katie how the hell are you I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to be back. As I told you earlier, nice to be back home. Um, yeah. Are you, uh, I'm just curious, are you like a pro vacation poster? Like of 100%. other people? Yeah, me yeah. too. I like yeah. seeing it. I don't like it when people are like, save it, save it. Why, why yeah. post it? Like save well, it for how yourself. How dare you have a nice trip? So, actually, oh. I love seeing people's vacation photos because I'm like, oh, yeah. that. sometimes you're like, that place looks sick. I want to visit. Or you're just exactly. happy for your friends to be out there in the world 
100%. Or in some cases, it's like, oh, that place looks really nice. The pictures probably do it justice. I don't ever got to go there. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> it can be useful on many, many fronts. Uh, yeah, pro vacation posting. I think it's not. You can get like incessant with it, I'm sure. You don't want to be like too over the top with look at how luxurious I am or whatever. But I don't feel like most people yeah. end up doing that. I think they're just happy to be on a trip that they're enjoying because they've saved up their hard-earned money and vacation days to go do it. Celebrate. Post it. What's Instagram for? If not cool pictures of landscapes, I say. Uh, all right, Katie. With that out of the way, let's dive into today's show. Uh, on today's show, we are going to dig into some of the most interesting questions that we feel are circulating around the Toronto Raptors going into this year. I have made the point, I'm not sure this team is going to be especially good, but I do think they're going to be especially interesting and kind of fascinating to watch the whole experiment unfold. And that, in its own, is kind of worth tuning into a full season for, in my estimation. And there are, of course, some questions about this team that are more interesting than others. We will get to yours, of course, throughout the show. We have a few prepared each. But Katie, I want to begin with this one because I do feel like there is a bit of a feelings undertone to it. And of course, you are the basketball feelings expert here. Um, and I just, the, I think my biggest, most interesting question that I'm going to kind of be keeping an eye on this season and sort of grappling with is, just how powerful can a coaching staff be? Um, on two fronts, it's the on-court stuff and it's the off-court stuff. How powerful can a coaching staff be in terms of overcoming the very clear limitations with a roster, which the Raptors roster, as we've talked about, has many of them. There's not a lot of pull-up shooting or shot creation. There is overlap of skills. There is a bit of a sort of amorphous bench of dudes who may or may not fit in. And all sorts of, uh, you know, things they're going to have to do to get creative to turn this team into something better than like the 25th best half-court offense in basketball in particular. I'm fascinated to see if personnel can be warped by a coaching staff in a way that is creative and revolutionary and able to kind of overshoot what their sort of raw talent might suggest. And I'm also fascinated, Katie, in the off-court stuff and the whole vibes situation, the culture situation, which, of course, Masai Ujiri talked a lot about at the end of last season. There's a lot of talk about it coming into media day. And early returns, everyone seems to love Darko. Everyone seems very happy. This is also what happens in the first week of the preseason for literally every team that is not the Philadelphia 76ers. And so I'm curious, Katie, like... How do you kind of view this question as, uh, you know, a thing hanging over this season? Is that something you're also kind of interested to see how it all plays out and, and whether the vibes are something that can be sort of created by a coaching staff that then lead to more winning? Or does the winning kind of have to come first? And if they start two and seven, is the whole vibes thing out the window really quick? This is a true chicken and an egg, huh? Um, right, right. <laughs> we'll do pl plenty of philosophy over the course of today's episode, I think I'm you sure. Need, I think you need um, like a baseline Mm -hmm. of decent vibes to win because otherwise sure. yeah you're competitive you want to win in the nba but like for a team especially like the raptors right now um they're not really shooting for like top tier contention no. they know that's not where they're going to end up this season so then what's your motivator right i think it's like a long-term situation at least why else like switch up the entire coaching staff so you're hoping to turn the team around this year, like introduce and develop a new style of play, kind of new team culture, chemistry, whichever kind of thrown around word you'd like to use uh, and carry that forward into the future. Mm -hmm. So again, just like more of a long-term thing, but you got to start strong. Uh, you got to start with like these guys wanting to buy into that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, then I think winning what winning does 
is helps to solidify, right? And and kind of like reestablish this foundation, shore it up, like at every step that you go along. Because then if you you introduce this and you don't win, then you know, basketball is still pretty results driven mm-hmm. at this level. <laughs> I also think that's what the, you know, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and like that tier of the front office are looking at, mm-hmm. like proof of concept, right? Like we switched everything over. We handed the kind of the, the everything that we have to a new coach and the coaching staff. We've empowered them to change the team. We desperately know we need to change the team's vibes optics wise. You know, things mm-hmm. are not going so great. You've got like these big albatrosses kind of hanging around the team's neck in terms of um, huge pretty enormous contracts, pending UFAs. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, just like hanging out there in the ether. So you need proof of concept pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think just like a few fun early season wins when like stakes aren't that high, we'll do that again. Like we always have to, I think with this team, especially this year, like we have to really measure it with like, what is their end goal? Is that like a play in spot? You know, would that be really worthwhile for the team? It's weird to say like experience because a huge chunk of this team doesn't need that experience. Like mm-hmm. they've had already the best kind of like <laughs> playoff experience in a championship that you can have only you know, three and even guys the vets, on this team were there though it's, yeah it's but like and then i was going to say like even the vets right that you mm-hmm. brought in it's just like you know they've yeah. been around the league and they've been around enough to whether or not they've been on like championship teams they've still probably been in the playoffs so mm-hmm. um the experience is like you also have to weigh that because you're not trying to just like make pascal siaka mojina and Obi, like go through even chris boucher like those guys like go through the motions sure of that but um no, to your question, like a, a coaching staff can't just like single-handedly turn it around. Mm-hmm. You need buy-in from the other side. It's too soon to tell if that's happened. Um, it seems like, you know, surface level by what like the videos, at least I was seeing, the clips I was seeing, what I was hearing out of training camp mm-hmm. and, you know, that first preseason game. Sure, things look very promising, but um, there have to be some – it's the right word for this, like assurances, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like I feel like the, you know, getting into the season and actually having some of those like nice victories early on, right? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like games, like on a game by game. It's like, oh, Scotty Barnes looks like a dude and everyone mm-hmm. kind of realizes it. Or, um, you know, Pascal Siakam's really thriving in a sort of more off-ball role where he's kind of a second side attacker. And it's like, oh, wow, we're kind of back to peak Pascal again. Or like stuff like that, that are sort of signals that the refined process is in fact working and instilling some change some sort of affirmation that it's all working i think is going to be huge early on and i really think like if anything just like avoid a one in six two and seven start right like i I think if you can avoid something like that i I think the baseline that you were referring to seems to kind of be there as far as like the the coaching staff I think it's pretty clear they're on the player's side. They're here to support. They're here to offer counsel. Mm-hmm. They're here to um, sort of put everybody in the best spot to succeed. How does that hold up if you have an awful start? We'll see. But I do think, to your point, the chicken or egg thing, I don't think you can just walk in without some sort of baseline of good vibes and expect things to really... And it is like a positive feedback loop, right? You get a baseline of good vibes, you start to win, it all kind of snowballs. And it's kind of the inverse if you don't have a baseline of good vibes, which last year's team certainly did not. And, you know, when you didn't have that baseline and results started to go a little haywire, you know, things were great the first month of the season before Pascal got hurt. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, But there was all this underlying stuff that was still kind of percolating. 
And then when you start to have bad results, you don't have that baseline, that sort of underneath layer of uh, good vibes and support, then things can really kind of go off the rails as they did last season. So we'll see. We'll say it's a lot. They've put on Darko Ryakovich and his staff. You know, they've yeah. got this roster that's weird and ill-fitting in a lot of ways that had a really down year last season. They lost an, an important contributor to that team. And they're like, well, the vibes will fix everything, right? That seems like a lot to put on Darko and his staff. But a lot of it is communication, too. And I mm -hmm. think that's something that was really lacking. If you want to talk about what wasn't there last season, no yeah. I think there were hierarchies of communication um, under Nick Nurse. So, you know, certain people being able to talk to him and certain people not actually having clear channels or opportunities to do that, or maybe opportunities that didn't feel as meaningful. Um, whereas all I've heard uh, from players, you know, and staff is that Darko, they've like talked more with Darko than they ever did. <laughs> like with Nick Nurse, like that was that's for some people who like were around Nick Nurse for more than one season, you know, mm -hmm. which I think is pretty telling. So that goes both ways. Like, yeah, if you're winning, that's great. You know, you want to keep up the communication, but also like if you do get off to a slow start, which I will push back a little bit on because I don't think like that's the end of the world and it is like a mm. very likely possibility. Um, you also want those lines of communication open, right? Sure. Probably sure. more than if things are going really well because you want to be able to kind of interrogate what's actually happening, whether that's like on the floor, on the locker room, wherever. Um, and it's, and in terms of like what you said about this, like kind of quagmire of a roster still, like <laughs> people are going to have to figure out their spots and where they fit. And the only way to do that is by, talking to the coaching staff and the coaching staff talking back. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty heartened by that. Like, I think that will inevitably help with just like strictly vibe wise, because when people feel heard, you know, mm -hmm. they generally perform a lot better and they feel like, you know, okay, this coaching staff has like my best interests at heart. For sure. And I'm generally with you that like a bad start shouldn't necessarily mean bad things are coming or that the vibes are destroyed. I am concerned, however, because one of my other interesting questions is something that will, I think, be just sort of thrown more into the ether if they get off to a bad start, which is the futures of their big pending UFAs. We'll get into that. And of course, Katie's interesting questions for the Raptors this coming season coming up in just one second. Before we do that, however, we should tell you about Jace Medical. Everyone should feel empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, for travel, natural disasters, and give you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the right medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care with their licensed in-house physicians. Don't get caught unprepared. Get 20 bucks off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here. Katie Heindel along as we uh, roll through your first listen of the day. Thank you, as always, to the everydayers for tuning into the show. We love you. Go tune into yesterday's episode with Vivek Jacob as we took a look at the first preseason game tomorrow. Jamar Hines will be along, and we are going to play a little game of where are they going to rank? Uh, it's a bad name for the, uh, the, the segment, <laughs> but we're going to sort of try to 
parse where each of the members of the Toronto Raptors core players are going to rank on the team in certain statistical categories. That should be fun. Uh, but right now, we're talking interesting questions about this team going into the year. Many at play. Katie, my question dominated the first segment, so we will cede it to you. What is an interesting question that you are kind of pondering about this Toronto Raptors team going into the year? Uh, I, I wonder, like, in the same format as yours, I'm mm-hmm. like, can ball movement <laughs> fix the team? <laughs> can it fix some of yeah. the problems with the team? Can it fix um, a bit of a shooting slump? Can it fix communication? Can it fix identity question marks uh, in terms of where people fit? Uh, I will say, again, like real small sample size, but I was so happy to see the ball movement in that first preseason game against the Kings. Um, Granted, the Kings really sat their starters early, but that's okay. (laughs) It gave the Raptors an opportunity to to run through the roster. But I liked it. You know, you didn't really have this kind of – things like starting and ending with a point guard as we've seen, you know, in mm. past years, we, I don't think it was, there was a sequence where someone really like held onto the ball, you know, even in the half court, which also was mm. like very nice to see. Cause damn, that's a place that they needed a bit of a defibrillator. For sure. Right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I will always say like, it is so generative, like good ball movement like that. It's like very generative of not just offense, but defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really surprising that Darko is trying to really instill this in the team just as like a accelerator for communication and gelling, you know, on the floor. Uh, it also forces a lot of decision-making on the fly, which again, like I do think that's something that Nick Nurse stopped trusting players to a certain degree, or he only, he had a handful of players that I think he trusted to make decisions. And so I think that's where we saw a lot of stagnation because it's like, well, the ball's in, you know, Fred's hands, like the decision-making is going to flow through him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it came down to, you know, and now it's like, well, you need to really instill that in Scotty and Grady, like in Precious, like you need to instill that in the, even in like Gary Trent Jr. I'd say, who I know isn't like a new player in the NBA, but I still think of him as kind of like, doesn't really have the surest footing on mm-hmm. this roster yet. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's going to fix everything. Or, I mean, I'll put it to you. Like, do you think it could help a lot? Cause I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show in that, like, I think the sort of core issue the Raptors offense is going to face this year will be the exact same as it was last year in that, uh, teams are going to switch against them a ton. There's going to be a whole lot of sort of inviting of isolation basketball. And how do you resist the urge to have everything boiled down into trading off possessions between Scotty, Pascal, and OG, mm-hmm. trying to make something happen against a set defense with one guy who's kind of squaring up on you with all sorts of help ready to come? Um, you know, I, I think the ball movement we saw in the, in the opener, like, you know, a lot of what happened in that game was still that sort of issue of, hey, things kind of boil down to the Kings are switching everything. Can you make something happen one-on-one against somebody? But I think there wasn't a very creative way in which they ran that style of offense last year. And can you get a little bit more innovative in what's going on away from the ball when an isolation is becoming the sort of 
way of, of possessions being funneled by the defense? And can you get some interesting off-ball stuff happening on the weak side? Can you get Pascal Siakam sort of coming around a screen, you know, on the weak side, catching a pass from Scotty Barnes and making something happen? Like, I think we saw a couple of, of examples of that. Mm-hmm. You know, what does the off-ball cutting look like? What is the added space of running stuff through the high elbows with Yaka Pirtle or Scotty Barnes going to do for the back end? You know, I, I do think... There, it seems as though there's going to be more intentionality to the way they play half-court offense, even if they're up against the same struggles. And I still think the lack of overall shooting is going to hurt their overall ability to make stuff happen away from the ball too, right? Like defenses, mm-hmm. you know, it's just the reality of the NBA. I know it's annoying to have, keep on hitting the three-point thing, but it's 2023. It's not even about volume necessarily. It's about does a team care about whether a guy can hit a three on them or not? And right now... There's not a lot of those guys on the Raptors. And so ball movement will be awesome and it will make things a little bit easier, make things a little, I mean, certainly better to watch. No doubt about that. Last year's offense was such a nasty slog. It was miserable, even if it's a little bit similar in terms of the shape and the way possessions go down. I think it will be more fun to watch for sure. Mm -hmm. But the effectiveness, I think, will be dependent on, you know, catch and shoot three point shooting of guys and sort of making teams think oh, we should probably worry about a Pascal Siakam corner three, or we should probably worry about, um, you know, Scotty Barnes having a mid-range jumper that we have to kind of account for in our pick-and-roll coverages. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but this kind of goes back to my concern about sort of asking the coaching staff to fix everything, is, you know, there are roster limitations on this team. There are skill limitations. There are skill sets that just don't exist on this roster that exist on a lot of other teams, and it's going to take a lot of creativity to overcome it, but I am encouraged that they seem to be kind of taking what happened last year and saying, that's no good. We might not have the perfect solutions, but we got better solutions than that. And I think that is uh, at least, you know, an encouraging sign from the first game. Hey, maybe things kind of boil down into ISO ball again, and we're all pulling our hair out. But I don't get the sense that that's something Darko Ryakovich is going to allow to happen. I think ball movement, even if it's ball movement within the sort of cramped confines of an offense with very little spacing, I think will have a net positive, uh, you know, effect on, you know, if not the overall production of the half court offense, certainly mm-hmm. the watchability, if that makes sense. I mean, I also wondered, can they play really an ISO game? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, if Schroeder is like your starting point guard, mm-hmm. I don't I mean, know that I've seen him, like I've seen him be ball dominant and in mm-hmm. a way I don't, like but it doesn't really work with this team yeah i mean like schroeder yak is in theory a pretty decent pick and roll combination Mm -hmm. but how effective is it if teams are helping off of pascal and scotty Mm -hmm. and cramping up the middle of the floor right like it all kind of comes back to that is what are what are defenses doing how how scared are defenses of your of of your shooting gravity so yeah i they're not they're not set up like I think the ideal way that Darko would like to play based on the way he speaks is like spread pick and roll. I think that's his like dream style of offense is spread pick and roll where you use the pick and roll as the initiating element of every possession. And then from there, stuff flows, whether it's, you know, whatever the coverage is the defense is throwing at you, you adapt to that, you react there, and then you have the possession kind of coalesce after that. I just don't think they're going to be able to run standard pick and roll. And that is where I get a little concerned about it being a little bit samey to what last year was. But again, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have more interesting and creative counters to, all right, Scotty has a guy on him. He's kind of doing his bully ball thing. What are we doing away from the ball instead of just like standing there to support this possession and open up potential avenues for, for offense, right? Like I, I think 
yeah, like it's going to be a challenge for Darko. I, again, I don't think the roster is exactly what like peak Darko Ryakovich ball would look like if he was given truth serum, but that's I don't the know challenge what... of being a head coach. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what that actually looks like yet. Like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know? Yeah. Um, the coaching I... thing is so interesting, Katie. The <laughs> like, coaching question? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to <laughs> sort of figure out here, uh, and that's fun. Uh, honestly, like... I, I know I've been kind of a bummer in just like my general uh, feeling about the team because I don't think, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're set up to be terribly successful this year. There's absolutely that's not a, a bummer for it to happen. I'd say yeah. that's just like being realistic. And I think yeah. the team can still have a worthwhile season. 100%. Uh, without, they're so interesting. Like, yeah, like getting that in its own super is far. Like I think... Mm -hmm. um, worthwhile is a it, again it's like goes back to proof of concept it's like how well can this team turn itself around from what it looked like last season um i think that's looks like success to me like of course mm -hmm. winning is fun but i think everybody should hedge their expectations a little bit of like where they and they're gonna have i'm sure like hot streaks and nice runs through the season mm -hmm. but like where you think the raptors are ultimately gonna end up gotta be a bit be a bit realistic about that stuff you know about that in order to go easy on yourself later on in the season. This is honestly the ideal type of season to go in with like very low expectations. If you go into this season anticipating 35 to 39 wins, there's a very good chance you're going to end up pretty happy at the at the mm -hmm. end of the year because those expectations stand a very good chance of being overshot. Um, it's not a guarantee. There's a lot of stuff that this roster needs to sort through and the sort of bigger overarching questions, which we're going to get to in a second, sort of hang over everything. But, you know, 2013-14 was not a season many people had high expectations. In fact, the expectations were through the floor into the mantle. Uh, and that became maybe the most fun season we've ever seen outside of the title defense season, in which, again, the expectations were, wow, Kawhi's gone. They're going to stink. Oh, no, wait, wait, they won 60 games? Crazy. Um, you know, I, I think perfect season to go in with pretty low expectations with the hope that mm -hmm. you could have them superseded by the end of the year. Um Katie, we're going to come back on the other side. I want to talk about the looming FA question and how that kind of hangs over all of this, like a bit of a stinky fart uh, in, the, in the room. Uh, we will do that in just one second. I'll give Katie a second to, uh, you know, get a break from me while I tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. And right now you can snap in action with the NFL this season on FanDuel because right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Of course, the NFL season is ongoing, but there's plenty of other stuff going on too. You got the Major League Baseball playoffs. If you know I had totally wiped baseball out of my brain after the Blue Jays' loss, that would be a thing you could potentially throw some money on. Uh, maybe you're not like me and are not feeling bitter and are actually eager to watch the Diamondbacks or whatever. You can go and throw some money on baseball if you want to. There's the Toronto Raptors over/under that's out there. I think it's at like 36 and a half at FanDuel. If you want to hit the over on that, by all means, that seems like a pretty decent bet. Kevin Pelton on yesterday's low post said it's like a very, very hard hammer the over type of team. That's exciting. Either way, you can do all sorts of stuff on FanDuel spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL and of LockedOn. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and LockedOn NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, closing it out, Katie Heindel along as we round out today's show. Examining some of the most interesting questions hanging over this Raptors season. We probably won't get to all of them, but uh, we can maybe try to rapid fire through a couple here. Katie, one that I have is what the hell happens with this Pascal OG thing? And does it stand a chance of kind of poisoning the well for this Raptors season because of all the different ways it can go, right? there, you know, At any time, Pascal can sign the extension. We heard... Something of a challenge, I suppose, from Isai Ujiri to Pascal Siakam as he looks to potentially get offered that extension, which he should have been offered by now right now already, but that's not that's besides the point. Whatever. Um, OG, really good player, pending UFA. Uh, lots of teams are going to want OG Ananobi's services. Can the Raptors afford to go into the offseason without the assurance that he's going to be on the team? He's not going to take the extension that they are legally allowed to offer him under the CBA because it's just not enough scratch. Um, and, and like... What does a five-game losing streak in December mean for this very question? Do they make grand pivotal decisions based off of the sort of ebbs and flows of a season because they're kind of have to because they're getting to the end of this decision-making window and, you know, that their patience and kicking the can down the road has left them with a spot where they might have to be in a spot where they overreact to stuff or make decisions based on a small sample of a season that might not be all that indicative of what's going on. The other thing with OG, Katie, is like... I do wonder how hot his name will be around the deadline, whether Mm -hmm. the Raptors are going to try to move him or not. I keep on thinking about the Jokic factor and how OG has been historically one of the very best Nikola Jokic defenders in basketball. The Western Conference is going to be loaded with teams trying to go through Denver to make an NBA Finals, and any one of those teams is going to have to have some sort of Jokic antidote of some persuasion. No one is going to stop Jokic entirely, not even OG. But, like, does that lead to some sort of bidding war at the deadline for OG services by teams that realize Jokic stands in our way? Like, did the Raptors end up, like, getting a windfall that otherwise didn't seem like they were going to get because of that? Like, there's so much stuff with this Pascal OG stuff coming into the year as both pending UFAs. It's fascinating. It can go a million different ways. It would be a lot easier if they just extended Pascal now and took that question off the table. But, Katie... How do you kind of reckon with the pending UFA-ness of the two of the three most important players on this Raptors team a year after they went into free agency with three of their five most important players as pending UFAs? One of my other outstanding questions was just like, what is OG's role in the team? Right. You know, like I, you know, for a lot of the first part of that game, that Sacramento game, he was mostly a spacer, so he didn't really touch the ball at all. Um, he looked good when he did, more in the second half, but... I wonder, and this isn't like to instill panic, but like a part of me just, you know, reading the room a little bit, why you don't extend Pascal, and then you have this OG question, is does the front office want to keep it a little bit loose? Do they want to keep their options open? Like, are they looking already to a future that's more just focused uh, on Scotty Barnes, you know, and building around him and a new Mm -hmm. coach? And then to do that, do you accept the fact that like Pascal might walk and you try and trade OG and OB for, as you said, like a windfall quote, but um, I mean, you might not be able to as well because he has three months left on his contract at that point. And uh, you know, yeah, that that plays into the value too. I just think there's 
probably a reason beyond like this line of like wanting people to be less selfish mm-hmm. um, as a reason to not extend somebody. Sure. I also th- like look to OG and Pascal um, for their own kind of personal motivation. Do they want to be on a team that's not really clear, clearly going to be competitive mm. for the next X amount of seasons when they're pretty much in the primes of their careers and probably the most in demand they ever have been. Mm-hmm. I know Pascal said he wants to stay in Toronto and I'll take him at his word at that. But like, also, like, are they going to have be more like put competitively fulfilled somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Like that was always my question last season too. Even before Darko came in, I was just like looking at the two of them and how they seemed pretty dissatisfied with how things were going. Mm-hmm. I think that would naturally make anybody kind of look around and be like, okay, well, my chances are maybe better on these other teams to like have another shot at a title. So uh, I think those questions are there for a reason. I don't know. Again, like not to instill panic, but <laughs> I can kind of understand when, when, when something like when someone just keeps saying the same thing, but like something doesn't happen as like with this extension of Pascal, you got to read between the lines a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and hey, it's totally possible that they come out of the gate, they're eight and two, and everyone's super happy. And they're like, you know what, Pascal, we've seen enough, let's go. And, mm-hmm. and like, that's taken care of. But um, there's also every possibility that it just kind of hangs over. And I, I don't really know what the front office is doing with this. Like, it, it just seems so bizarre that they've invited these massive overarching questions into a season where it was supposed to be kind of about having a fresh start. These are the questions that dominated so much of last year too. I'm curious to see where it all kind of goes. You know, does it derail the vibes if um, there's sort of trade talk around the team once again for two months ahead of the deadline? Does it derail, um, you know, any sort of positive progress when it comes to instilling a new offensive system when you have Mm -hmm. guys who are impending UFA years and they want to go make some money? Like it's, it's hard. I mean, again, it's a lot on Darko Ryakovich just kind of smooth over here. And, and again, I kind of go back to they've kind of asked an impossible task of this coaching staff with the situation that the front office has kind of put the team in. And it's not to say that it can't work out. Like, I, there's plenty of ways in which this totally works out and everyone's very happy six months from now. Um, but there's just as many ways in which this becomes kind of an abject disaster. And, um, you know, you're kind of sitting there with two of your three most important players and no certainty as to their futures with the team or what you can even get in return for them if they are going to be headed out the door. So crazy stuff. Katie, do you have any other sort of honorable mention, interesting questions? We kind of went long on a few of them today. There are certainly mm-hmm. more that we'll get into at some point over the course of the run of the podcast and the lead up to the season. But any other ones you want to just quickly throw out there just as a food for thought? Not really. I haven't seen enough yet, honestly. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, um, I guess like Malachi is like such a, always a question mark, which sucks. Um, it's not really a question mark at this point. I think it's just an exclamation point of no. <laughs> um, I want to see Otto play, Yeah, you know, for the sake of Otto. Um, that's just a very personal question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Precious, once he's back, you know, to, to being able to play again. Just really curious to see how he'll kind of function mm-hmm. under this front office. I'm um, not front office, rather this new coaching staff. Yeah. yeah. So the auto and precious things, I think kind of a little bit go into one of my like lingering questions. And we'll probably have a bigger sort of conversation about this, but it's just like, 
can the Raptors actually get back to their developmental ways? There's been such a stagnation of that the last couple of years. 905, I think the disconnect with the 905 is kind of dating back to the COVID season and just sort of not really having much of a pipeline, not really having the proper environment within which to operate. It sounds like Darko Ryakovic and Eric Corey are on the same page. That sounds great. Very promising. You hope to hear that on media day. It's also a media day thing. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, but like, Precious, like Otto, Otto was obviously not a developmental piece, but I think how much he plays might kind of inform how much the other sort of more developmental pieces on the team are playing. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's the reaction to that? If Otto's soaking up minutes from Grady Dick or he's soaking up minutes from Precious Achua, you know, how does that sort of inform what their intentions are, what their plans are, all of that? Um, you know, do we see, you know, this is a big topic of dis- discussion in the Rap- Locked on Raptors Discord yesterday was how much does Grady Dick play this year? And like, I think he should be playing 15 to 20 minutes a game because he is a type of player who I don't think at Raptors 905, he's really doing much to sort of advance his development. His career is going to be as an amplifier of good players and what better place to play him in than on a team that badly needs some shooting and could use a little amplification. I, I think um, playing him, yes, there will be some defensive struggles, but I also think he's like a smart player, has kind of a good head on his shoulders, knows where to be, knows where to stand, all that stuff. Um, so how does Grady Dick get used? I, I think, you know, I, I expect there will be more of a developmental focus for sure, just because there was so little of it when seven players were playing every night last season. But how far does that extend if they're losing games? And, you know, is there sort of urge to get wins on the board going to come, you know, creep back in? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. The developmental stuff is a whole thing we'll save for another day. But Katie, this was delightful. Thank you so much for hanging out. Do you have anything you want to promote for the good people out there? No, you can bring basketball feelings. Um, I've got a couple of interviews coming up to get back uh, chugging with Dime. I've got cool. an exciting... I won't say anything more than that interview on Friday, some Canadian content. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, you can read Basketball Feelings in the meantime, basketballfeelings.com. Amazing. Uh, everyone go check out Katie's wonderful wonderful work. Be a paid subscriber. Pay Katie money to uh, <laughs> read her work. It's great. It's totally worth the money. It's unbelievable. Uh, you can find me, at Woodley Sean. You can follow the show on Instagram, at Lockdown Raptors. You can go to the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. Link always in the description. Come hang out. We'll love to see you in there. That'll be the place where I'm talking about games for the most part throughout the season. So if you want my sweet, sweet in-the-moment takes, which I know nobody can get enough of, <laughs> the Discord will be the place for those. Um, and uh, we'll be back again tomorrow jamar hines will be along once again we're going to try to figure out where each member of the raptors is going to rank in various point categories we got lots of fun stuff as we head into the final couple weeks before the season here on deck thank you so so much for tuning into the show i guess as we record today we are two weeks away from opening night for the toronto raptors that is thrilling stuff hell yeah let's go thank you for tuning in we'll talk to you again on thursday with another episode of lockdown raptors bye-bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.